You're listening to Heart of the Ark podcast from the Office for Evangelization in the Archdiocese of Newark. We're coming to you to bring knowledge and some courage as we voyage through this life as missionary disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. My name is Jennifer Benke, and I'm co-hosting this podcast with my friend and colleague, Father John Gordon. Welcome to the Heart of the Ark podcast. My name is Jennifer Benke. I am the Associate Director of Evangelization for the Archdiocese of Newark, and I'm joined today by my guest, Father Bogomil Mishuk at Seton Hall Prep School here in the Archdiocese. And before we begin, I would like to invite Father Bogomil to join in a prayer for the Holy Spirit to bless our conversation. So in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, as your child in Jesus, I wish to be totally an instrument for your kingdom to be evident through my life. I endeavor to receive your promise of the Holy Spirit to those who are believers. Jesus, my Savior and King, baptize me in the Holy Spirit so that the power of your resurrection will work in me and change me according to your plan. Holy Spirit, empower me and fill me to the point of overflowing. I hold nothing back from you. Work your gifts in me and through me, all of me, so that the Heavenly Father's kingdom may be manifested in and through my life. I ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. In the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So once again, listeners, I'm here at Seton Hall Prep, so you may hear a little difference in the audio. We're not in the studio at the Archdiocese. We're in a class, in a school, um, in a classroom. And so if you hear audio, I apologize. I'll do my best to edit. But Father Bogomil is making time in this busy season to speak with us. So Father Bogomil, thank you so much. For thank so- you for having me as part of this program. I'm so happy to be speaking with you during this wonderful season of Advent up to Christmas. Yes, so that's why we're here, right? We're talking about the ways in which we discuss preparation of our hearts and our homes and our lives in uh, receiving Christ Jesus at Christmas. And I wanted to get a a man on the street perspective of evangelizing young men, uh, especially uh, Catholics and non-Catholics here at the school. We should say this is a high school, so they're between the ages of 15 and 18, roughly. We're here in West Orange, New Jersey. So a little bit of background information. Um, I teach freshmen here at CN Hall Prep, and then also I'm chaplain for the whole school. So I have a very intimate, close uh, perspective on the thought process of freshmen, and then, of course, the other uh, ages of the teenagers as well. And one thing that really surprises me, even in a Catholic school, is that most boys have not heard of Advent, or they've heard of Advent and really don't know what it's about, or they just see it as the four candles and a countdown till Christmas, and that's about it. Almost every boy will say that Christmas has already started. Um, they always argue as to when it already started. Was it the day after Thanksgiving? Was it the day after Halloween? Was it November 1st? Was it December 1st? But we're in the Christmas season right now from their perspective. And then when I ask them, when does the Christmas season end? They say, well, December 25th it ends. And I start off by saying, no, no, no. Uh, you're missing the purpose of Advent. Uh, you're missing the great season uh, that leads up to uh, Christmas. And I speak to them in the context of what they're aware of. I talk to them about 
uh, Christmas obviously being Jesus's birthday. So Christmas celebration is a birthday party. And I tell them, you can show up early to the birthday party, but you can't leave the moment the birthday boy shows up. Um, you have to stay around. How long you stay around, it's up to you. You could stay around until they sing happy birthday, until you have dinner together, until you cut the cake, until he opens the presents, or you could be the last person to leave, but you can't leave the moment he shows up. Right. So that really strikes them because they've all been to birthday parties and they all realize that makes absolute sense. Um, it's only respectful to, to do it so. And therefore, I start off by saying, by teaching them about Christmas and saying uh, Christmas starts on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, December, the night of December 24th, uh, the day of December 25th, and then you could have the eight days of Christmas, the 12 days of Christmas, liturgically until the baptism of the Lord, middle of January, or the 40 days of Christmas until February 2nd. That's how we throw down in my house. <laughs> and that's how I do it in my house yes, as well. Exactly. <laughs> and I tell them that's how the Pope does it as well. And then obviously I make the connection to Groundhog Day. It's like, why are we c celebrating or acknowledging this weird day, Groundhog Day. Well, uh, Christmas equals winter. If the Christmas season's over, is winter over? Or do we have six more weeks of winter? Six times seven, 42, another 40 days of winter? Because we've already had uh, 40 days of Christmas. So I talked to them about that, like, oh, wow, that's that makes sense, right. okay. And then we go back, so, so it's like, so let's look at Advent. Let's look at what Advent is, is about. And I look at it from a theological, historical perspective with them, and then I also look at it from a very practical perspective. So the historical, theological perspective, I, I talk about the waiting for the coming of the Messiah and how traditionally we say it's a 4,000 year wait. And therefore every week of Advent is a thousand years of waiting. And if it's a thousand years of waiting for the coming of the Messiah, it takes a lot of patience, patient waiting. And I emphasize that. So therefore I say, it's only right that you respect uh, the history, that you respect uh, your forebearers who we're agonizing and they're waiting. We are looking for the Savior uh, for so long. And you respect them by waiting yourself a bit. And then from a practical perspective, um, it's always good to have a mnemonic device with, with them, a memory trick for them to remember. And the way I look at it at Advent with them is the four candles of Advent. Um, they're purple or pink. Uh, so the letter P, uh, even though we officially call it a rose candle, but make it simpler for them, it's the letter P. So think about purple, pink, the letter P associated with Advent, four uh, candles. So therefore, four words uh, connected to Advent. And those four P letter words connected to Advent are patient preparation with prayer and penance. So those are your four ingredients to Advent. Patient preparation with prayer and penance f for the coming of the celebration of our Lord's birth at Christmas. And I go into explaining to them every uh, word, how important it is. Uh, so patience, connecting it to the 1,000 year wait per week. Uh, and therefore be patient, don't put everything up on Black Friday or Thanksgiving afternoon. Do things in segments. Uh, even if you start Christmas decorations early, well, 
do it gradually. Uh, don't blast all the Christmas music all at once. Listen to some Advent music. Uh, we play O Come, O Come, Emmanuel in English and Latin in class as our opening prayer so that they can see how that longing, that waiting for the coming of the Messiah is and how important it is. Then we talk about the importance of prayer, uh, that we have to get ourselves ready, not just externally in terms of how uh, our houses are decorated, but we need to get ready internally as well to make our souls, our hearts, a worthy dwelling place for our Lord and Savior. And we do that by penance as well. So penance is this opportunity, uh, the sacrament of confession to clean house. And I, again, use very practical examples and metaphors with them that before you put up the Christmas tree, you might need to move things and rearrange things and sweep the floors, mop the floors, dust uh, before you put on the lights. You need to do that with your soul as well in order to have it festively decorated and for you to be in that spirit of joy and peace. You can't have joy and peace externally unless you have that joy and peace internally. I love that. Over the uh, the week where you had a little time off uh, here at the school and also in the public schools, they had a teacher's convention and some time off in, th in the weeks leading up to Thanksgiving. Uh, my son helped me uh, power wash the outside of the house. And I've been wanting to do it, but I hadn't gotten to it all summer long. And I, we just, we power washed and we cleaned the gutters because I knew that within a, a matter of weeks, it was going to be the time to put the lights on the outside of that house. Yeah. And I didn't want to put them on a dirty house. And then we, you know, just as a, as a family, it was like, oh, why are we doing this? Like now, why didn't we do it in the springtime when it's, it's nice. And I said, well, because we light the outside of the house now, like that. Absolutely. So, so get the house clean. Right. And I love this. Okay. And, and the boys are, and the boys are very action oriented and very practical and down to earth. So therefore these practical examples just really connect with them because they realize yeah, I need to clean the house outside, inside. Um, yeah, I need to put up the decorations. Um, so, so they're able to relate. So, so it's like this is what they already know. And then translated spiritually, translated interiorly. Um, and it's... And it's helpful. It clicks with them in, yeah. in many ways. Absolutely. Okay. So we did uh, penance and we did patience. So what's what's the next ingredient? So preparation. And preparation is basically all-encompassing. Uh, so preparation is different instances of preparation. Um, so I tell them about the importance of, of attending Mass on Sunday, especially during the season of, of, of Advent in order to prepare for Christmas. Don't just show up on Christmas Day. And again, I use the analogy of a birthday party. If you never go over to your friend's house whenever he invites you, and then you just show up for his birthday party, it's like, great, you're welcome, but why aren't you ever over at my house any other time I invite you over? So it kind of feels less awkward and more uh, warm and, and at home when you always hang out uh, in your friend's house. So when it comes to the birthday party, of course you're going to be there uh, at the friend's house for the birthday party. Uh, so the sacramental preparation, especially of uh, receiving Holy Communion, is vital. Uh, preparation of receiving sacramental confession is also vital. So actually this week, we had an opportunity for my students to 
have this patient preparation with prayer and penance in our school chapel here at Seen Hall Prep. I brought all my classes down one at a time. Uh, I had Eucharistic exposition with them, and I said, this is your time to hang out with Jesus. And a good friend, you hang out with a substantial amount of time. And you're patient with your friend. So you're not going to hang out with Jesus for uh, 30 seconds, pop in and out of the chapel. You're not going to be hanging out with Jesus for two minutes. We're going to have a 50-minute class period right here in the chapel. So what is that instilling in you? Patience. you got to be patient. Yeah. You're going to be here for 50 minutes. Yeah. And they're like, that's a lot of time. And again, you use analogies and I say, well, think about sports. Anyone can pick up a basketball and, and shoot some hoops for two minutes without breaking a sweat. And you might think you're an NBA all-star. Play a full basketball game when you're not in that that's good condition of stamina and endurance. Oh, you're going to pass out. Yeah. You know, anyone can shoot a goal for five minutes, be on the soccer field for 90 minutes. Oh, you got to prepare. Right. You, 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 it takes a lot of effort. So if you want to be physically fit, you also have to be spiritually fit. And here we are. This is your opportunity to be spiritually fit, to build up stamina, build up endurance, to build up patience. Um, and for many of them, besides perhaps mass, they haven't been in a sacred space for that long period of time and to be there patiently and prayerfully and to hang out with Jesus To I tell them prayerfully, have a conversation with him as with the best friend. Right. And at that same time, I offered a sacrament of reconciliation uh, myself, and I invited other priests to come as well. And this way, it's like you get it all, all in one shot. Uh, so come to penance, clean house interiorly. Decorate your soul with praying the rosary, which uh, Bishop Barron uh, beautifully says is a wonderful Advent prayer because uh, you, you're connected with Our, our Lady. She's the one that brings Jesus into the world, and she carries him for nine months. And therefore, as you pray the rosary, you're journeying along with Mary, uh, bringing Jesus into the world as you're bringing Jesus more and more into, into your life. Um, I offer them a uh, reflection booklet from Pope Francis. So read different Advent reflections from Pope Francis. I was playing background uh, Advent music uh, for them to listen to, to give them the right mindset. So this way, engaging all the senses, from hearing to, to seeing to talking, and provides this holistic opportunity for them to say, what we did right now during this 15-minute period, maybe not as intensely, but that's the four weeks of Advent. Right. Spread that out during that four weeks, and come Christmas, you'll be ready. That's wonderful. I, I love the idea of giving... Uh, young people especially, um, they're so overstimulated in every other aspect of their life. There's always a video game or a, a, a screen to look at or social media or something kind of intruding on that contemplation. And co yet contemplation is such an important part of our Catholicism and a, a part of learning how to be a spiritual person. It's I always say it's it's okay to be bored a little bit because that's that boredom and that that, that that silence is where you start to 
have a relationship with somebody. It's just like when you're really in love with somebody, you don't even have to talk, right? You just, Absolutely. you just, uh, you can sit there in contemplation and just experience their presence. And the presence is so much a part of it. And it's not just the presence of Jesus. Obviously, the the most important presence in the world is the presence of Jesus and sacrificially in the Eucharist. Um, but that presence of just being just being with another person and just being with God and allowing God to just be with you. And, you know, obviously 15 minutes is a lot for a 15 year old, but just not having those, those outside of the time, the time constraints of the rest of the world. So I love that. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the boys really enjoy it. Uh, At first it's intimidating. At first it's overwhelming, but after a while they're like, this is, important right this helps me to find peace and, and be grounded and find the true meaning of, of the Christmas season because you realize ultimately it's not about you and your Christmas lists it's about the gift of Christ right and he is the gift and therefore it becomes less self-centered or more Christ-centered and therefore from that, you have so many opportunities of service here in the school, especially during the Christmas season, that it's not about what am I getting for Christmas, but what things can we give uh, to those that are in need from toys to clothing to gift cards to to food. And the boys begin to be realize the season of Christmas is not the season of getting, it's the season of giving because ultimately the example set by God himself who gave his son for us. Absolutely. How do you talk to teenagers specifically who always, they know everything, right? They, they're they always right. They know everything. And they especially dislike being called into any question, right? So how do we talk about penance in a world of free-for-all? <laughs> talk to me about that. Now, that's always one of the most challenging ones because they have their guard up and they don't want to let in that they're in need of forgiveness. Um, but using myself as an example, how I will talk about how I am in constant need of forgiveness, how I go to confession at least once a month, sometimes more frequently, how the sacrament of confession gives me that fresh start that I don't have the burden and the weight of past sins continuing to pile up and make it heavier for me and dragging me down and and pulling me back. But it gives me that freedom that even though I know that I uh, will fall into sin again, that at least I have that freedom from the past sins. And to encourage them to experience that, um, that lightheartedness, that, that, that freedom. Also to remind them uh, that the sacrament of uh, penance, confession, reconciliation is, is absolutely anonymous and confidential. And the way I describe it is like a garbage drain, garbage disposal, or a black hole. Whatever you throw in it, it's sucked down and it's gone. Right. And never comes back up. Never comes back up in conversation to you, to your parents, to anyone else. It's that garbage disposal, that black hole, it sucks it in, and it's as if it's never been there. Right. Uh, And that's very reassuring for them because they need not just a safe space, but what I call a sacred space, which is above and beyond that safe space. 
and the sacrament of confession provides them this sacred safe space. So speaking about the sacrament that way opens them up to realize that they they can be vulnerable. And what I'm really beautifully impressed with as they have come to confession uh, this past week uh, when we had our time in the chapel, incredible confessions, deep confessions, like pouring out their souls, not superficial confessions, because they realize that if this is going to be worth anything, let's do it right. Yeah. Because if I do it half-heartedly, if I don't do it right, I'm not going to get out of it. And I'd emphasize to them, it's what you put into it is what you get out of it. So you really need to put in everything. Um, and then whatever you put in confession, you leave it there and you walk out and you don't carry it with you. Yeah. And then I always emphasize, I emphasize the saints so much. Um, from the beginning of the school year in September, the first lesson is, what is the meaning of your life? What is the purpose of your life? You're meant to be a saint. And every day we do a saint of the day, we emphasize how the boys, you are a saint in the making. And when they come to confession, I, I reiterate to them, it's like, right here, right now, you are a saint in the making. Uh, you are becoming a saint by being in this moment. And I, there's a beautiful saying from St. Augustine, uh, every saint has a past, every sinner has a future. And I say to them, you just shared your past uh, as a sinner. Now we look to the future, and that future is to be a saint. Amen. Amen. Yeah. There's, it always strikes me, I mean, uh, I've had my own difficult history with reconciliation. I was away from the sacrament for a longer than anyone should be. And uh, when I finally came back, it, it was like it clicked with me that what a beautiful grace and to, to be forgiven. But also, you know, there are other traditions that ask God directly, but to hear God's voice back from the priest in a human voice, your sins are forgiven, go in peace. Like, whoa, what a, a grace to hear that in an embodied voice, in, a, in an incarnate way, right? Because the priest is acting in persona Christi, he's acting in the place of Christ. So just to hear a voice come back to you and say, your sins are forgiven, go in peace. That is just the deepest level of spiritual and good mental health, okay, if God can forgive me, I can go forward. I'm not my past. And and those that's important. And my you've, you've brought up a, an excellent point there, and I think uh, a lot of the boys noticed that because some of the boys that came to confession said, well, this is something that happened a while ago, and the other person has forgiven me, and we're on good terms now. I just can't forgive myself and and I can't see how God can forgive me. And I say, look, right now, in a few moments, you're gonna hear, I absolve you from your sins. You hear it, it's definitive. It's spoken directly that you can't question it. You can't say, you can't play mind games. Right. You know that 
I've heard it. And if God forgives you, who are you to not forgive yourself? Exactly, exactly. I really appreciate all the time. This is wonderful, and it's just wonderful to speak to you. I would love to hear some of their just reactions to Advent, to Christmas. What do you, what are you getting? Do you read? Do you do journals? Do you, how do you how do you handle like their feedback of their process? So we have journal entries that I assign to the boys um, over the weekend to reflect back on the previous week. And what I find in what they're writing is that they realize just how commercialized and superficial the season has become. And when you show them the deeper meaning behind the season, it's eye-opening. It's, it gains flesh um, and it becomes more impactful. So, so many things that they take for granted that, well, it's just part of what we do. Why do we do it? I don't know, because we've always done it. Uh, everyone's doing it. You know, why do you drag it tree into your house when trees are supposed to be planted outside and you you learn like the Christmas tree tradition comes from like St. Boniface and St. Boniface teaching the Trinity uh, using the the Christmas tree, the three sides, uh, one triangle like St. Patrick, three leaves, one clover. Um, and the crash from St. Francis, uh, who gave us that tradition. And then the candy cane. It's why do you have a candy cane in December? Why not in July? Why is it now the candy cane symbolizing Jesus? Whether it's the shepherd's staff or you turn it around, it's the J for Jesus. And uh, the purity with the white, the red with the, the blood that he sheds for our sins. And how it's specifically a Christian uh, treat that, that that's given to uh, to the boys, and then um, how Santa Claus has become so stereotyped and commercialized. So get to know the real Saint Nicholas, and get to know how the real Saint Nicholas became the silly ho 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 pantsuit uh, Santa Claus, um, and to, to to explain the history behind it, and and they're like, wow, I want to embrace the real Saint Nicholas. Right. That that that's a man. Yeah. Uh, not a caricature of a man. That's a true man. And then the floppy Christmas hat, how that's the bishop's mitre. Um, and even some of the songs, like the 12 Days of Christmas song, on the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a partridge and a pear tree. Who's your true love? It's not your girlfriend. It's not your mom. Your true love is God. He's giving you Jesus Christ on the first day of Christmas. And, and, and all these different things, it opens their eyes. They're like, wow, I can't celebrate Christmas the same way ever again because every time I look at a Christmas tree it's going to mean something way different than it meant in the past. Every time I listen to Christmas music I'm going to know the words of that Christmas music and it's not just going to be a nice rhyming tune but there's something deep that underlies it. Um, whenever we put up Christmas decorations, um, I'll know why we're doing it. Um, and then I'll realize, well, what I see externally has to be modeled internally as well. Uh, so it really is eye-opening for them. And once you get the awareness, once it clicks for them and they're aware of it, the ball's already rolling. And I am just amazed how far they'll take it. Uh, to boys coming to, to the chapel every day to pray as a group, um, boys that I don't have in my class um, that come with friends that are uh, students of mine, uh, that they share it with one another, that they say, hey, this is what I learned in, my, in, in Father Bogomil's class. And you have all these other boys that now coming to the chapel because they're spreading it. it yeah. It's 
the truth is contagious, uh, beauty is contagious, goodness is contagious. And when you have this understanding, you can't hold it in for yourself. You, it's a season of giving and they're really giving that, that true reason for the season to others. And that ripple effect is amazing. Important. Yes. I And I can attest to that because we're here in this, this room because it's activity period and the boys are free to go into the chapel if they want to. And we had to decamp to another room because otherwise we'd be recording and they wouldn't have the time with uh, the Christ. Absolutely. There's one other thing I want to discuss because you're a young man. You're younger than I am. I'm looking at yeah. you. Yep. So um, I'm only 32. Okay. There you go. So talk to me about being a young priest. How do you prepare? yourself for every day showing up as a young as a young guy in a school of very young guys uh, I am really blessed to be here at Seen Hall Prep because this is the school that I went to as a uh, teenager I graduated from Seen Hall Prep in 2008 and the remarkable thing is that a large chunk of the faculty that are here right now were here when I was a student uh, so many of them I had uh, as my teachers so between having the experience of seeing hall prep that the boys experience having some of the same teachers that they have i had uh brings a certain level of connection that whenever they're going through something it's like oh i've been there right i remember freshman year we read that book we had that same homework assignment let me help you out with it yeah you know when you're looking into junior year um keep this in mind trust me been there and it, it's not just, oh, I was once upon a time uh, a teenager. Once upon a time, I did college applications. I did it right here in this school in the same room, taking the s- same tests, same assignments that you're doing. And it becomes so real. It's like, okay, you get me. Right. So we can talk about the concrete things and not just abstract ideas about coming of age. So that helps uh, tremendously. And then also being myself, being very authentic, um, what you see is what you get. Um, I'll speak my mind, share what, uh, who I am, I don't hold back. And therefore they get to see me as me, not just as a priest, but a priest that is a human, a priest that is a man. Uh, and that human dimension is important. <laughs> I can hear the bell ringing, right? So yes. our time is, is very short. But I just, I think coming back to what you said, that that importance of your presence and your really being in it with them. Yeah. And that's such an important part of evangelization, the work of being a Christian evangelization of conversation and really community, just coming together and really just being with the other person saying, I'm right here and we can do this together. And that's just so important. And the final two points I wanted to share is First of all, my approach to the young people is meet them where they're at to bring them where you're at. Because you can talk till you're blue in the face, you must be at mass, you must go to confession, you must pray. But if you're not interested in what they're interested, then they'll be like, well, why should I be interested in what you're interested? But when you're there and to say, I will watch the World Cup with you and we'll be uh, hanging out at uh, sporting events together and I'll be cheering you on and I'll be helping you with your math homework. So therefore now, 
you know, do me a favor, go to the chapel. I did something for you, you do something <laughs> for me. Uh, and sure, then they'll do it, okay, fine, I'll do it because you want me to do it. But after a while, it clicks with them and, and they'll do it because they realize how important it is. Just like yesterday, for example, uh, was a World Cup game and school ends at 2.45 and that's when uh, the soccer game was halftime uh, at 2.45 and the game was supposed to pick up at uh, 3 o'clock for a second half. So during that 15-minute period after school, we have the rosary. So all the boys are in campus ministry getting ready for a second half of the game. It's like you're just going to be watching commercials that, that are trying to uh, take your money away from you. Let's go to the chapel, pray the rosary in 15 minutes, and you'll be back for the start of the second half of the game. The chapel was packed with students <laughs> I love uh, praying the rosary. Some of them was like, this is the first time I ever prayed the rosary. It was pretty cool. And now we're back in the campus ministry office, sitting on couches and watching a game. You got the best of both worlds. You didn't miss a second of the game, and you got a rosary in in between. It's a win-win. Right, and you didn't have uh, commercials. That's uh, the best part. That's the best part. <laughs> so my philosophy in teaching, my approach to young people is learn, love, live. Learn what I'm teaching you. Fall in love with what I'm teaching you. But ultimately, live it out. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father Bogomils. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Would you lead it? Can we pray together as we close? I would love to. Thank you for inviting me. Um, and hopefully we'll, we'll talk again soon. Absolutely. Uh, this was wonderful on my end. Yes. And we'll conclude with the prayer that I conclude every single class because I want my classes to be a prayer. We start with a prayer and we always end with the glory be. And I tell them, I don't care if the bell rings, you do not go anywhere until we finish with the glory be. And when we say amen and do the sign of the cross, then you're free to go. So we'll do that the same way here. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much, Father Bogomil. Please know you're always in my prayers because you influence my son, but also especially now that we've gotten a chance to talk. Thank you so much. You're very welcome, and I assure you of my prayers as well as all of your listeners. Have a blessed Advent and a very Merry Christmas. Amen. Thank you. You're welcome. Heart of the Ark podcast is an initiative by the Office for Evangelization at the Archdiocese of Newark. If you want to find us online, you can find us at rcan.org slash evangelization. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Very soon we'll be updating our social media for the Heart of the Ark, but you can find us on Fireside Podcasts at Heart of the Ark. Dot fireside dot fm. Our theme song is composed by and orchestrated by Eric Hunter, a dear friend of mine. You can find out more about Eric and his performances and compositions at Eric, E-R-I-C, Hunter, H-U-N-T-E-R, music.com. This has been a pleasure, and I look forward to hearing from you and speaking with you in the future.